Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Hilo with Emrata. Today's episode is an Emrata Asks. If you're new to the show, let me just preface this by saying, sorry, can you hear Columbo breathing in the back? <laughs> That's my giant dog. Um, so on Tuesdays, we have a guest episode. This week, we had Bad Baby. Last week, we had Mark Jacobs. We've had Julia Fox, Lauren Gray, Donatella Versace, a lot of great guests. Um, and then on Thursdays, we do a solo episode where we cover various different topics. So tune in. There's also a subscription episode that I really love. I respond to listeners' comments and thoughts and questions about things we've covered in the week. And it's a really nice way to communicate directly with all of you. So today we are talking about the potential writer's strike in Hollywood. This is something that's happened before. We're going to get into the history of the unions and writer's strikes. Um, This is a very pro-union show. I'm very pro-union. I wish there were more unions um, in different sectors. For example, fashion, there is no union, which is really crazy. I'm a proud SAG after a member myself, though, and um, unions are really important. And actually, this situation is going to shine a light on why they're so important especially with changing technology. So you've probably heard about this potential writer's strike. On Monday, um, April 17th, the results of the WGA, which is the writer's union, came in. The screenwriters in the union voted overwhelmingly in favor of authorizing a potential strike industry-wide. And we're going to talk about the what this is going to mean, what it's going to look like. Let's let's get into what this means for entertainment and the entertainers we love. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Okay, so let's just start by establishing the kind of players and the stakes here. Hollywood has always been a union town. Everybody has unions. It's not, shouldn't be a secret. It shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that it takes dozens, often hundreds, thousands of hardworking people behind the scenes to make our favorite movies and now TV shows um, come to life. And all those people are in unions of one or another. There are different unions for different sectors of movie and TV production, directors, camera operators, other crew, actors, writers, and others have their own unions that negotiate with the AMPTP. Screen Actors Guild, shout out, that's my union, Directors Guild, various trade unions. So the AMPTP is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers since 1982, The AMPTP has been the trade association responsible for negotiating virtually all industry-wide guild and union contracts that covers all of it. So um, that means American Federation of Musicians, AFM, Directors Guild, Theatrical Stage Employees, Electrical Workers, Screen Actors Guild, 
et cetera, et cetera, all the unions. As the entertainment industry's official collective bargaining representative, they negotiate 58 industry-wide collective bargaining agreements on behalf of hundreds of motion picture and television producers. So the, the one WGA, the Writers Guild of America, consists of movie, television, and docu- documentary writers. So that's all the writers. The Writers Guild also includes various journalists, but um, those types of writers are covered under different agreements, and they're not going to be a part of this specific labor action that's, I think, going to happen. So let's let's talk about what this vote means, um, because just because the Writers Guild has decided that it's in favor of a strike doesn't mean that it's actually going into effect right away. So studios still have until May 1st to make things right for writers and avoid the strike. So let's talk about what's going on that's led to these writers asking for what they're asking for. And it really has to do a lot with streaming and the way we consume TV and how Netflix and other streaming services have not um, adjusted So I saw this really great um, Twitter thread by this writer, Ashley Nicole Brown, which really breaks it down super easily. Um, Essentially, there's no such thing as residuals now. So residuals are when a TV show becomes a hit and it starts playing a million times. You start getting checks for how many times it's been streamed. And, you know, there's phenomenons been have been happening where like an old Adam Sandler movie will become a hit and writers used to see when something becomes a hit you get the big checks and that has been restructured because of streaming so that even if you're writing hit tv shows you're not making residuals which means that writing which used to be really potentially quite a lucrative job or at least a decent job has become it's become really difficult to make money even if you're writing only on hit shows or, you know, all of everything you're writing is really good. Um, It's basically like hard for writers to even maintain a middle-class lifestyle, which is what Ashley Nicole Brown is saying. And then she also, somebody on this Twitter thread pointed out that, you know, you used to know when something was a hit because all the data was released, but these streaming services keep that stuff private now. So it's actually really, really difficult to even know if you should be getting paid the money, you might be like hearing that everybody's talking about this thing, but you don't actually get access to the data in the way you used to. The rise of streaming platforms isn't the only factor changing the economics of the industry, but it's kind of the main one. The The other things to know, like more and more shows these days have shorter seasons and they reduce their staff. There's also used to be paid for episode. And now a lot of these shows are only like six episodes. So Shorter seasons and smaller checks mean most working writers need to work more to maintain guilt benefits and even have health insurance. That's basically how these unions work. The more you're working, the more protection you get, the more you know you get benefits, you're granted things. These restrictive contracts and exclusivity agreements that are now being floated as well can make it really hard for writers to maintain a steady income in a really, really competitive industry where finding work is already hard, kind of famously hard, honestly. So what are writers asking for? They are asking for fair compensation for writers in the streaming area, better working conditions and benefits. They're particularly concerned about shorter season orders and longer production times that stretch their pay further. Um, So basically they're being asked to like rewrite the same episode 600 times and, you know, not getting paid properly because they're only doing five episodes or whatever. They're seeking to address the frustration specific to streaming, obviously. 
such as the use of mini rooms that have turned their careers into gig economy jobs. So as you, maybe you guys have heard of writing rooms, that's basically when like a writer's room is when everyone comes together and those can be pretty serious, you know, month-long things where people are writing together. These mini rooms started popping up about five years ago um, and they were like kind of quick little smaller writing rooms where there's like, you know, six people and it was supposed to be to like punch up a script and make it just like ultimately better. So, you know, they usually convene like a few weeks to before production to just develop straight ideas. Many rooms are cheaper, but um, Vanity Fair actually wrote about it when they first started cropping up five years ago, maybe a little bit more, that they've turned a formerly lucrative career path into you can't make enough money to support your family or whatever, even live in Hollywood or New York, the places you need to live to be working in this industry. So sometimes history has a way of repeating itself. This is not the first time that there's been a strike um, with the writers. So we are going to look back at the last couple of times the WGA voted to strike after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. The last time the Guild voted to authorize a strike was back in 2017. They managed to avoid a strike ultimately. So essentially the studios um, agreed to the raises and minimums across the board, as well as contribution increases to the WGA's health plan to ensure its solvency for years to come. This is a quote. And we further expanded our protections and options and exclusivity. So basically, the studios gave the guild what they wanted and they avoided the strike. A rep for the WGA's negotiating committee said that, you know, they made unprecedented gains on the issue of short seasons and television, which is obviously coming up again now, winning a definition of 2.4 weeks of work for each episodic fee. Any work beyond that span will now require additional payment for hours of writer-producers. Translation, writers now get paid a minimum of nearly two and a half weeks of work at an agreed-upon rate for each episode of TV that they write. 15% increase in pay TV residuals, roughly 15 million increases in high budget SVOD residuals. SVOD is streaming video on demand, by the way. And for the first time ever, residuals for comedy variety writers in pay TV. And also, this is a big one as a parent myself, um, job protection on parental leave. 
So the last major writer's strike was in November of 2007. It lasted to February of 2008. It was 100 days. It involved 12,000 film and television screenwriters. I, I really love, I, I just want to pause and say why I love unions so much. I mean, it's such an amazing and important thing to see people organize this way and for there to be these kind of uh, ways that, you know, the masses can essentially say like, we are not going to work. So the strike in 2007 was aimed at the alliance of motion picture and television producers and sought increased funding for writers. Negotiators reached a tentative agreement on February 8, 2008, and the boards of both guilds unanimously approved the deal on February 10th. And then on February 12th, the writers voted to lift the restraining order. The big win for the Writers Guild then was jurisdiction over new media and a new percentage payment on the distributor's gross for digital distribution. Some of the specific terms writers were seeking included residuals for TV shows, movies sold on the internet, mobile, and other digital media. So again, this is, you know, as kind of technology changes in the way that we consume media and entertainment evolves, also the way that we pay the people who work on these shows needs to, and that is basically what the Guild is responding to. I just want to talk a little bit about like what that strike was like. It was a really big deal. Um, it ended up putting a ton of TV shows and movies on hold and actually canceled some. Um, the late night talk shows were really hit hard because they rely so much on writers like every day, basically like the daily show Colbert report. They were able to return to the air with their writers after making deals with the WGA, but others like The Tonight Show with Jason Leno went on with non-union writers and suffered a drop in ratings. That's so fucked up to go outside of the union and hire people when there's a strike. I just want to say shame on Jay Leno for that one. The strike also gave rise to a new wave of web series as writers turned to the internet to showcase their work and reach audiences directly. So I think that one thing that's really interesting, and we'll get into this next, is just how these kind of crisis moments end up being really interesting creatively because you get people, people have to think outside of the box. So it's sort of, you know, I've been talking to a couple different people, my friends who are writers and work in TV, and they're like, it's the Wild West. Everyone is kind of scrambling to figure out, you know, okay, how do we just make anything and writers are also thinking about how they want to, the kind of things that they want to make, episodes, whatever, the structure of the TV shows that they're writing to benefit themselves. There was a strike a while ago, like early 2000s, that led to basically the creation of reality TV and Big Brother. When kind of everything is disrupted, it can be an exciting time creatively for everyone. Um, but it's also, I want to be very clear, extremely stressful right now in the industry. People are really bracing themselves. So I don't know if you guys have seen all the stuff about AI and GB2. Um, so that's been um, like all over my TikTok because all these AI generated Drake songs and Kanye songs that slap and sound really good. Um, it's kind of like creating this disruptive thing where it's like, okay, is AI, are they better at making songs from our hit, our favorite musicians than our favorite musicians are? It's just causing a big thing in music industry. Grimes tweeted about it. Elon Musk tweeted her back. Like there's been a whole thing. Um, I think she actually just left her record label right after this tweet. Interestingly, I don't know how much it's connected to um, the AI comment she made about how she basically said like anyone can make an AI song using her voice if they give her 50%, which 
um, is really interesting. But anyway, I wonder if that's going to be a thing with TV and film soon. Like, can AI write scripts? I don't know. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how folks have been using AI, artificial intelligence for creative purposes and what it would look like in the very near future, um, particularly if a strike temporarily benches thousands of human writers. The concept of using digital scabs, shout out to the scab crew, is interesting to me, if only because robots can't be blackballed if they cross the picket line. So there's basically no consequences for somebody I mean, I think somebody who's hiring AI or choosing to use AI could obviously face consequences, but they might not be a writer. Put simply, a scab is another word for a strike breaker, someone who crosses the picket line to work while the strike is still ongoing. So a lot of these folks are less experienced writers, um, or sometimes it can be the exact opposite, like a super senior seasoned writer will just quietly take on work under a synonym. This is just super selfish and short-sighted like not looking at the collective, you know, the responsibility you have to the collective and often honestly shooting themselves in the foot by, you know, not thinking about what the guild is asking for and how it might lead to better conditions for work later in the, in the future. Just because you're picking up some work in the near future, it's at the expense of burning virtually every bridge in the industry and undermining your fellow worker. I think it's very unethical Unions and many writers' rooms actually keep track of all of the scabs and put them on a permanent do-not-hire list. So it's not a great thing. We've seen AI experiments result in computer-generated cartoons, horror movies, and even an AI parody of Seinfeld. Even though the tech is really, really rough around the edges, the fact is these shows compete for attention on the same platforms as more traditional scripted entertainment. And this isn't just something that you know, I'm thinking of it's it's also in the mind of a lot of writers and labor leaders who are seeking to limit and restrict the ways that studios can use computer generated creativity to replace real life writers, kind of foreseeing this as a real issue in the future and to make sure that writers also receive not just proper compensation, but credit. So that is another point that WJ is looking to resolve in current negotiations. All right, so let's get back to 2023. I wanted to see what this potential strike would mean for the industry today. So I went on Twitter and I also found some articles collecting some various different viewpoints about the WGA um, and their negotiators, writers, and other industry types. It's, of course, like a bloodbath of media kind of competing. There's kind of this feeling of like, oh, the WGA wants to see Hollywood suffer. WGA is like, we absolutely don't. We don't want our writers not to work. Um, I think the thing that people forget about a strike, it feels like this big power move, but it's like, yeah, but also all these writers are not going to be having an income while they strike. It's a huge sacrifice. Um, So, you know, they're doing this for the greater good and overall being able to have benefits that they should. And the the, um, updated, you know, kind of terms of payment and insurance and whatever to make sure that they're paid properly. But in, if they do strike, it's it's a big sacrifice. So I essentially read um, that, which I thought was, you know, interesting that there's this sort of like, not propaganda, but there's definitely like a lot of people kind of faulting the union and making, trying to make the union look like bad guys. Basically, it will be a really stressful time. I think we could see, you know, a lot of delays and shows, um, you know, when movies that have already been written are being shot, even they suffer from the writer's strike because there's writers constantly punching up scripts on set, making sure dialogue is good, 
Um, writers are essential to any of the entertainment we watch. So it's really stressful, obviously, from the business perspective, but also it's a crazy time in the entertainment industry because no one has figured out a new business model for Hollywood in general and entertainment um, because of the change that has come from streaming services and the way we consume media. Um, It's not, you know, it's being reflected in obviously writers and them not getting paid enough, but in general, um, people aren't going to theaters in the same way. The whole industry needs to rethink how it's profitable, essentially. And so everyone's really nervous. And this is kind of, you know, a consequence of this evolving world. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how we do it. I don't know if everybody saw that article that came out about the 20 movie stars that people will actually go to the theaters to see. And the youngest person on that list was Kevin Hart at 43. According to the research, none of the top 20 box office draws were under the age of 40, which, yeah, that's a big red flag. (laughs) The list comes from a study by the National Research Group. The firm commissioned a survey which asked consumers to name up to five actors that would make them most interested in seeing a movie in theater. So they didn't ask who are your favorite stars or whose movie do you most look forward to? They just specifically asked, who do you most want to see in a theater? Who do you want to watch in a theater? Basically, young people don't give a shit about going to the theater anymore. And that used to be the primary source of revenue, obviously, for studios. So interesting time. I'm very curious um, to see what happens. Again, huge, huge fan of unions. I wish that there were more unions, that the fashion world was unionized, particularly for models, because they aren't really protected. Um, I think also hair and makeup artists could use a union in fashion. It's really crazy. All right. Questions for you guys. I want to know, what do you guys think about this? What do you feel about the unions? Do you have any thoughts about the business structure of Hollywood? No one's been able to figure out kind of how to keep the entertainment industry as profitable as it once was. Have you ever experienced benefits from collective bargaining or been a part of a labor union? I think it's such an interesting exercise in, you know, essentially power to the people in a world where we don't really have much of that anymore politically and otherwise. All right. Well, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. Go to the hilo.fm website to submit your voice memos. Use that for the subscription episode, Talk Back, play them, and then I respond to them. So please go to hilo.fm, send me your thoughts. And also you can join the conversation using the hashtag hilo. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or at hilo.fm to listen every Thursday. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Met Gala, which I'm going to on Monday. I need to do a fitting for my dress. I'm a little nervous, but we'll be talking about the after parties, the history of the Met, all that stuff. Um, So I will see you all Tuesday with our next guest and Thursday for the Met Gala episode. And please subscribe to Talk Back. It's one of my favorites. All right. Have a good one. with Imrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production. Our executive producers are me, Emily Ratajkowski, Matt Raz, and Sarita Wesley. Our showrunner is Matt Raz. Our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh.